Welcome one and all to episode 179 of the Original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are, well, we're out of the All-Star Bowl season, and now we're waiting simply on the Combine, which means it's silly season, and we get the... uh, we get all of the different what I'm hearing, what we're hearing, what this team's going to do, what that team's going to do, and then free agency happens and everything's messed up and nobody worries about it at all, right? So it's it's the, it's the <laughs> right. fun part of the year where we get a lot of hot takes uh, and we'll end up probably doing one or two shows fully on hot takes and, and go from there. I mean, right now we're still waiting on a couple coaching hires. We got the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, <clears throat> and uh, I think there's a couple of teams uh, associated with Andy Reid playing for that. And uh, this is a good time to tell everybody there won't be a free show next week on iTunes because Seth and I will be in Las Vegas watching the Super Bowl. So, um, kind of something that's become becoming an annual tradition for us, which is fun, but it does mean that we're not going to tape a show next week but if you're a patron we will have a patreon episode later this week and also next week so that'll be our only show next week will be the patreon so uh two bucks a month you can be elite and get every podcast we've ever done plus several articles and if you're generational for four bucks a month you get every uh additional article slash podcast everything that we do in addition to this show um, but either way we appreciate you listening so uh seth we got uh, a bunch of all-star season winners that we're going to talk about and then we've got uh one all-star season loser uh because we didn't want to get uh too hard on people but if you have any additional that you want to add feel free yeah it was crazy man uh i did a show with our good friend just root last night and talked about the Shrine Bowl and, and that was kind of the topic winners and losers and teaser uh, we're gonna I'm gonna be on that show with you guys this week as well on uh, the Rise Up Sea Red podcast yeah we he'll be with us and, and it's just one of those situations where you know you hate saying like this guy w- was a loser this weekend or you know or uh a faller you know if you want to put it in a more gentler term but unfortunately it does happen right uh but let's go with the the big winners of the weekends or the all-star tournaments and and the first one was holton aylers the the ecu quarterback we've talked about him a couple times um but man he he kind of had a, a great hula bowl not a great shrine, but nobody really played well in the shrine offensively outside of, well, he, uh, and the thing is he played well enough to be the player of the game. So he got two, uh, two all-star game MVPs out of this season. I know that's crazy, right? Um, but it, it'll be interesting because Ehlers is a guy we talked about, like, the improvements were clear over his time at East Carolina. And he's a uniquely built guy. He's a big, thick quarterback. Um, he's you know, lefty. 
so lefty kind of looks weird when he throws yeah and i mean he's another one of those hefty lefties right like he's a big dude and and I think he's really cemented himself as a draftable prospect this season, which is what he was looking for more than anything. Right. And I think that what you saw from the all-star games is um, he kept everything on schedule as far as the offense. He hit some deep, he hit some deep throws, you know, he's throwing a good fade ball. And then um, he was using his legs when something wasn't there. He took off, he ran and he was productive doing it. And I don't think he's like a fantastic athlete or anything like that, but he's athletic enough where, and, and this, like you said, we've talked about him before, he's going to run the four seven or eights, but for a guy who's like six three, six four, and 240, um, you know, it's good mobility for a guy that big. And he, I think the way he directed the offenses on, you know, you're talking about a short week of practice and then you go right into the game. He was a, a player who wasn't necessarily – the greatest practice player, but when they put him into the game, he was able to operate the offense and um, be productive. So I think it counts for a lot. And um, the fact that he went to the Hula Bowl, got, kind of got a call up to the Shrine game, and he was able to be productive at both events with completely different cast teammates, it says something. And uh, I think, like you said, he's, he's not going to be a first or second day pick, but he's going to be a draftable prospect. Another guy that I actually highlighted on on my show with Jess, and he's a really intriguing prospect, and, and we've talked about him before uh, on this show, is Jose Ramirez, the not the uh, Indians' third, or Guardians, sorry, Guardians' third baseman, uh, but the, uh, the Eastern Michigan edge defender. He's going to be a tough eval, man. Um, First off, he came in right around where listed, right? And so that's that was kind of big for him because um, he's not an, a normal-sized edge guy. Um, in fact, he's a guy that when you look at it, he is going to have to overcome being short and stocky, uh, sub six right. two but but 250 his arm length is actually pretty decent for his height right like six one but 33 and a quarter yeah. inch arms is a good number he was just a shade under six two you know yeah, i so mean he's legit- him early first thing in the morning he's gonna be six two right and and just uh, that's why i said they listed him at six two 251 he came in at six one and seven eighths and 249 like that's about as spot on as you can get with these these numbers um w- production wise it it was it's the build that we appreciate and that we like to see you know two sacks 11 sacks 12 or sorry two sacks six and a half sacks 12 sacks two and a half tackles for loss 11 tackles for loss 19 and a half tackles for loss like the build was there he did everything you want to see in terms of just his production o- while at Eastern Michigan, and then he showed out in the game. But, man, like, he's going to be, like, a 4'8 guy at this height. We've said, you know, best-case scenario, you're getting another Marcus Golden, who, yes, he went in the second round, but he was a little bit more productive at a Power 5 school in Mizzou. 
Um, I think he cemented himself as a day three guy. But I'm really interested what the NFL is going to think of a guy like this because he doesn't check a lot of the boxes that they're looking for in edge rushers. Well, he's coming from a group of five school. Uh, like you said, he's a little bit short for for an edge, but with that arm length, I think that kind of makes up for it. And what you noticed in the in the Shrine Bowl itself, um, on the, the big strip sack that he had, I think got scooped and scored by another um, by one of his teammates. But you saw that the pass rush move, the acumen. You know, he he didn't just. He's not a small guy who just wins with straight up power or straight up speed at a lower level of football. He's a guy who knows his way around as far as pass rush moves. And I think he saw that on display uh, in, in that game when he made that strip sack. That was a huge key play at that point in the game. And um, it really was, it, it might've been the play of the game on defense in, in that Shrine Bowl and uh, I think that counts for a lot. When you, one of the things you look for, we, we always talk about getting production when you're talking to a group of five or, uh, you know, F- FCS, D2, D3. Do they dominate their level of competition? And then you have to look at how do they dominate that level of competition. And when it's, you're not, uh, you know, at, at, like you described, at his height and weight, and uh, if he's a 4'8 guy, He's not going to out. He's not going to outdo anybody as an athlete. So you've got to know how to beat guys with some uh, technique, and I think he's got that. I think that's and and you mar- uh, you noted his marked improvement throughout his career, and it it kind of matches up. So we heard he was a good practice player, as you know, as we've said, we were not at these practices. We got a chance to view a little bit of the practice footage, um, and then see the game. And and uh, from what we saw, this is a it was a successful week for him, and he's got a great name because it's uh, sino- it's the same name as a an all star and uh, you know MVP candidate caliber baseball player. So it's going to stick in everybody's head. And uh, there's something to be said about that, right? Right, exactly. Um, next on the list was the big winner, I think, from the quarterbacks, all, all of the quarterbacks, quite frankly. Um, and that, that was Jake Hayner. We talked about Dorian Thompson Robinson. I think we should at least mention him as maybe an all-star season winner, but overall, no, none of the quarterbacks, I would say at the shrine, um, stood out as much as Hayner stood out above everybody kind of at the, at the senior bowl. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. And, and, and when, but it's mostly because of the game, though, because Hayner isn't going to wow you with any part of his, you know, his physical stature. He's six foot. He came in at six feet tall, flat, two hundred eight pounds. Um, he does hit the. He checks the box for hand size. It was nine three eight, so good enough, big enough hands. But and, and we've talked about Hayner too. His production at uh fresno state was fantastic after he transferred from from washington but uh from what we hear you know this guy he conducts himself with a bit of swagger and i i even heard uh him compared to baker mayfield in that regard 
well, he played well in the game. And I think unlike Mayfield, what's helping Hayner is nobody's telling you to take Jake Hayner number one overall. But you can envision where Hayner's weak, his, the way he carried himself, the competitive nature, and then the success in the game and, and in, I guess, in the practices. I didn't get to see um, very much of senior bowl practice tape. But um, this is a player that I think has, has maybe put himself into the later part of day two at this point. I, I was going to mention a name, and I'm, I'm curious what your opinion is. Can he be like a Brock Purdy type of guy? <laughs> I knew I knew you were going to say Brock Purdy, and I was going to say like Nick Mullins or whatever, any generic Mike or Kyle Shanahan backup that he's had over the years that that he gets injured and. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and maybe day two is is too lofty. But the thing is, and you and I have talked about this off the air, um, and. But I think it's something we have to bring up more and more. We're gonna are we gonna have to recalibrate how we judge these quarterbacks? Because um we talk we talk a lot about quarterback age, and Hayner's gonna be a 24-year-old. He's small, again, six foot under 210 pounds. But there are a lot of guys coming out now that are 24, 25. Next year is gonna be the same way. And they're, you know, a lot of them are on the small side. And um, but we're seeing that the NFL is is starting to adjust, and so they're saying like you know Kenny Pickett was a first round pick at twenty uh, guy who was going to be twenty four as a rookie. Um, he was the first quarterback taken last year. Uh, is the NFL going to adjust to the point that we need to adjust as well? I mean, I don't I don't want to from a phil, uh, philosophical standpoint. I don't want to do that because it it just kind of flies in the face of you know all the the kind of progressions that we've made evaluating players over the years but um it, it so i guess i'm not saying i'm going to start grading these guys higher but are we going to have to come to grips with the reality that that some of these guys are going to get drafted higher than what we would we have come to expect over our years of doing this and uh, honestly i was joking about purdy he you know who he actually does remind me of a lot is colt mccoy um yeah and and but he's smaller. <laughs> he's, I think he's, he's a lot about smaller. the same size as McCoy, isn't he? Wasn't I think Colt was over six one, almost six two, and just a little bit. But but I could be wrong. I mean, that's going back ten plus years. He he came out in what 2010, 2011? Yeah, something like that. But yeah, so I mean, you're just talking about guys in general, like you said. It's you know, it's just a different. Yeah, they list him at six one two twelve. So well, Hainer. I mean, in that respect, Tanner has great long-term backup type of potential. And, and that's kind of what I see from him as a guy that's going to be on teams for like three or four years and then go to another team for three or four years. Right. And... So where do you draft that guy now? Because there, there are people, even if we go back to when, you know, when we got started doing this show, which was probably almost 10 years ago at this point, um, there were people even back then that said a backup quarterback is valuable enough to take on day two. Uh, I don't think you and I agree with that because so many, uh, you know, so many teams get by with, with veterans, like, um, like how Cleveland did with Jacoby Brissett this year or with, um, 
you know, finding guys really late that can kind of plug, they can plug in like Purdy this year where he was Mr. Irrelevant and actually played. But it's not clean. It doesn't always work out in in either instance, whether you're signing a veteran backup or or trying to draft a guy late. Um, I still think teams should, should chill on these guys and maybe not like elevate these older, smaller quarterbacks. But I think the reality is there that we're going to see that at least for the next couple of years until this, you know, extra year of eligibility, that 2020 year kind of wears out. Next on the list is a running back that I kind of had a question about, and, you know, he had a good week. Um, he had a, he, he had a strong week and then kind of was the man during the senior bowl itself, the actual game, that's uh, Northwestern's Evan Hull. He came in at 5'10", 214. You know, you and I talked about this because Hull is a guy that, you know, he he's eligible. He, he could have gone back to school if he wanted to, but he went from, you know, over six yards of carry to over eight yards of carry down – to five yards of carry and then barely over four yards of carry this year. And it, it kind of was that thing of like reading the room, right? Like what is the room telling you? And the room was kind of telling him like probably not going to be good enough next year for this to improve. You've got almost 500 career carries. You've got 94 career receptions. He's shown that he's a great receiving back out of the backfield. Um, you know, I, I questioned his decision to leave knowing that, you know, he could take advantage of the COVID year. And and he looks like a guy that played himself into a day three selection. Yeah, and, and I guess my question is, you know, was he reading the room that, that um, he wasn't ever going to go any higher? Or was he reading the room that Northwestern's program is down and it's that's kind of what state- no, that's what, kind of what I meant. Is that okay? Like, so his, is it his production stay down went, next year? Yeah, his production went way, way down. Uh huh. And I in, mean, at least in terms of like efficiency, right? Yeah, efficiency. Uh, but and, in terms of total yards, he's still productive. Right. In that respect, he just needed and, a lot of touches to to hit the mark, right? And so, the, so you know, was he thinking to himself like, "Hey, it's not going to get better. I, right. I'm just going to get out." now and see if I can go make, you know, $450,000 a year on my, you know, doing something I love as opposed to getting the crap kicked out of me at Northwestern on a, on a four win team. <laughs> right. Uh, of and course, I, of course, this will probably be the year that Northwestern plays Ohio state in the big 10 championship. <laughs> big Ten so. championship. Yeah. They, they do that every other year or something like that. Um, but this is where um, I think, I think this was uh, turning into a good decision as a guy who'd already graduated. Okay. He comes in, he, um, as a high school recruit, he had a 35 inch vertical and he ran a four, six, uh, four, six, four, you know, not great, but not terrible for a running back. And he had a four, one, five shuttle, which is actually pretty good. And if he can improve on those numbers, uh, now at 214 pounds, and you and I talk frequently about how, how speed training is one of those things that guys can can improve upon. Then you look at this; he's coming out. He's 22 years old. He won't be 23 until late October next year. 
you know, that's, that's what I have. Um, if I'm, if you have information and you're listening to this, that tells me I'm wrong, please share. But my, uh, Intel says he's not going to be 23 until late October. Well, now you've got, it's, it's looking a little better, right? And so the production wasn't great in terms of efficiency this year, but then he goes into the senior bowl. He has a good week of practice. People love his receiving ability. And then he leads, he has a, a first play of the game, I think it was, or at least the first play for his team on offense. He ran for 24 yards and he was kind of weaving around, running through the field, showing a little bit of that shiftiness that you might uh, expect from a guy who has a good shuttle time. And then uh, ends up leading all running backs with, I think, 72 yards in that game. And that was, I don't think anyone else had more than 40 or so in the game. So Evan Hall uh, really did did well for himself this week. I think he went from undrafted priority free agent to a guy who's going to go uh, in the uh, fifth to seventh round in the spring. I think somebody's going to really like this guy and uh, his receiving abilities, third down ability and good size, I think, and adequate athleticism. He's going to, he's going to be a drafted guy. The final guy we want to talk about, and another guy that he just played on such a piss poor offense that it was tough to get an idea of him. Uh, and he Michael, battled injuries. That was the big thing with this guy yeah, too. And, and Michael Wilson, the Stanford wide receivers. Um, you know, it was interesting because I, I I want to say it was Wilson I read, and so I'll, I'll look for it while you talk in a second, but. Wilson came in just under 6'2", 6'1 216, so they listed him at 6'2", 210. So, I mean, that's a fair height weight. Um, you know, average 16 yards per reception this year, four touchdowns. You go back all the way to 2019, his sophomore year, he averaged 12 yards of reception and five touchdowns in, in 12 games. That was really the only season he played a full season. Like you said, battled injury. He was a he was a highly recruited guy coming out of school, um, and I I'm pretty sure and I'll double check he's a guy that is going to offer a ton on special teams based on what one scout that was there said on Twitter um, that and and so that's going to be his like get drafted ticket is that he's a guy that should give you a lot on special teams and then if you get anything else out of them it's just you know icing on the cake and and we know that there are times when guys just end up flat out struggling in college and are able to get better when they're healthy and out, you know in the pros in a in a pro strength and conditioning uh situation and the other realization is Stanford had become, and I know that's not to blame for the injuries, but they have become kind of a dumpster fire. Um, and so his development is not, it's not crazy that it didn't happen, right? Yeah, they stagnated on offense. They became somewhat of a slow team across the board. Um, you're going to hear a lot of excuses about how, bad their offense was when it comes to their quarterback Tanner McKee I mean we're already seeing that we see we saw that uh, a little bit on um, PFF's show this week they they 
are still pu- pushing uh, McKee as a first round potential first round quarterback, and they're blaming Stanford's offensive scheme on on his poor production. Okay, I'm not sure I agree with that, but I'm just telling you that if if that's the case, it trickles down to a receiver like like Wilson as well. But if you look, and this was something I did get a chance to see quite a bit of the uh, DB receiver one-on-ones. And I implore everybody who listens to this and who or happens to see this, um, this type of film, do not put too much stock in this. We know these drills are designed uh, oftentimes to favor the offense. Okay, that's fine. But in the game, Michael Wilson made big plays. And, uh, you know, you mentioned his special teams ability. Are we talking about a future Patriot? I know Matthew Slater is a player who played receiver in college, but who really made his mark on special teams. Uh, The Patriots also have been known to just draft players strictly based on their special teams ability. I think of Nate Ebner, when they took him out of Ohio State, he was a guy who seldom played uh, safety but was a, a staple on their special teams unit and was like, I think he was a rugby player um, where he became a, a football player kind of later on in the game and was just like a, a real special teams demon. So um, if Michael Wilson could be that type of player, we've seen it time and again, a lot of receivers make their way into the NFL by being very excellent special teams players and uh, in this case I think you're suggesting it's probably going to be in coverage right yeah and and he like he even was like a special teams player of the week a number of time yeah at, uh, at Stanford so he certainly has the size we expect him to time somewhere in the four fives maybe four six but he ran a four six in high school and he's put on some muscle and uh, Stanford has a decent strength training program track record. Guys get faster in that program, so we could expect Michael Wilson might even run a you know he might even run a high four four, and if he can do that, play special teams, he's going to be a contributor. I I didn't know much about him coming into this week, but I kept hearing his name and I watched the game. He's making plays. He led all receivers in yards. He caught the go ahead touchdown. Had a good, had a great day. Other players to keep an eye on, um, just from the weekend in general. Isaiah Land, um, out of out of uh, Florida Atlantic, Florida A and M, A and M. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I, he was at the Senior Bowl, six three, two twenty six. These are uh, these are not your uh well i guess they're not the, your 2010 linebackers these guys are all lean right was land a senior bowl guy or was he strong game he was Shrine a bowl. Sen- senior bowl it says okay yeah uh dalen henley is a guy we've talked about on this dayon henley is a guy we've mm-hmm. talked about again another sub six one he's they list he got in at 230 i think he's gonna play in the 220s he is a coog from washington state yeah, by way of Nevada, by way of playing wide receiver. So he, you know, he's like a six-year guy. Um, but he had a fantastic year in terms of production. And then it all carried over into his, you know, into his senior bowl week. I mean, I, I kept is, seeing people talking about this guy all the time. He is, and, and I'm not saying anything negative about him. 
he is the type of athlete that should excel in those situations. But like you said, I mean, this is a guy that had 106 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, four sacks, an interception, um, a pass defense, and three forced fumbles this year. Like this dude yeah. was all over the place. Um, Just one of those players who's everywhere on the field. And, um, you know, that was a, he's a guy, um, we talked about him and wrote him up on, on Patreon a couple times this year. Yeah. Um, Eric Gray, the Oklahoma running back, you know, I think he's probably one of the most disappointing players in college the last two seasons. Well, he had, he really had a great year this year. Yeah, he really did. It's just that the Oklahoma was disappointing. right? Right. Right. He was, it was his great year was overshadowed by a bad Oklahoma year. And the last time Oklahoma was good. He was still um, very much part of a tandem. I think was was it Kennedy Brooks? Was that the the kid's name who was uh, in the tandem with him last year? Yeah. Um, the other thing about Gray is he'll be he he is already twenty three years old. He'll be twenty four next November. But I I still think there's something there with Eric Gray, and I, I thought he had a really good week. And then um, finally. A couple guys, Payne Durham, um, you know, when you look at tight ends, it's one of those situations that this is a, I, I don't think I've ever seen a class of tight ends get as much recognition as this year. So Durham having a good, you know, from from day one where he, he measured in at 6'5", 258, he's a big huge. dude. He's huge. Um, he, you know, from there, he just had a really strong week. He skipped a bowl game, which was kind of a curious decision. Um, but we saw all Purdue's top players skip that bowl game, much to my chagrin, because I was actually in attendance at the Citrus Bowl this year. But um, I think he justified that because uh, he he looked uh, like he looked really good in this setting with these Senior Bowl players. And like you said, you gave his measurables. He's a big dude. Um, and, uh, of course, he already has an NFL name because there's already a Payne Durham who uh, played tight end in the NFL. So, very convenient. And then a guy we talked about last week, uh, you know, he finished up strong, and that was uh, Jaden Reed. Um, I don't know if there was a bigger winner, so to speak, after what we you know we we went over so if you want to hear more about Jaden Reed go to last week's article or last week's podcast we're not going to rehash all of it but um, a guy that looked like he was going to break out and then just had a really down year on a terrible Michigan State team and then you you got him at at the senior bowl and you're like oh yeah I, I forgot this dude's a baller isn't he right it, it's you realize that Jaden Reed is a good player and he just was playing on a bad team this year, it was a victim of circumstances. You know, one of the things that uh, opened up things for Jaden Reed in 2021 was the presence of Kenneth Walker. And Michigan State just didn't have that kind of run game this year to counter. And so, and and then Reed was a little banged up here and there. You know, it just was the perfect storm. But then he gets into this senior bowl setting and nobody can cover him. And you have to... Remember, and, and I think this is a point that we have to make. I think that 
the talent across the board at these all-star games is a little bit down because of the extra years of eligibility that we're seeing, um, the number of guys who decided to go back. And we obviously don't see any of the underclassmen at these games. So I don't mean to um, disparage Jaden Reed's performance, but I want to put it in context. Like you're talking about a player who's still a very good player and had a very good week, but you're also talking about the best of like a, a, a mid-round crop of receivers. So I think that's where we land with him. Um, and, and, and like we talked about last week, this isn't a guy who's going to wow you with size, maybe in speed, but what he does give you is a maybe a number two, number three receiver who can return punts and is dangerous uh, in the return game. You had an all-star game loser. Who did you have? The only all-star game loser that I want to I, I want to mention is Stetson Bennett, and and really it's because he just didn't go to one of these games. We saw the quarterback play it really suffered, uh, and it actually, by many people's accounts who were there in person at these games, um, the quarterback play ends up kind of hurting other players that are there, especially receivers, running backs, tight ends where the quarterbacks would be throwing. So there was there weren't any good standout quarterbacks aside from, you know, Ailers, who, as we said, he was more of a game player than a practice player. And then Hayner. And then you have a lot of, of uh, guys who people felt were kind of disappointing. And one of the things that we heard from uh, from people who were in attendance about the quarterbacks was just the prevalence of, of quarterbacks checking down or Taking off and running. And you don't want to see that in all-star game practices because that's really just not productive. It's not, it doesn't help you evaluate. Uh, it's just a couple of years ago in 2020, I guess three years ago now, but you had uh, Justin Herbert at the Senior Bowl. You had um, Jalen Hurts there. You had uh, Jordan Love. And those guys all end up going first and second round, and you don't have that crop of quarterbacks. Stetson Bennett missed the boat by not going. He missed the boat by not going to either the Shrine or the Senior Bowl. He was invited to both games. He didn't go. And then to make matters worse, he gets himself arrested for public intoxication at 6 in the morning in Texas. And nobody knows why, you know, what he was even doing there other than just partying. We all know. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not, I'm no saint. I'm no Boy Scout. You know, I'm, I'm way past my prime when it comes to partying, but this guy didn't do himself any favors and he could have, he really could have. So I don't know. Um, some people are saying, does he even want to be a pro player? I don't think that's it. I don't think he doesn't want to, but I think it's just a, you know, he's riding a high. He's a two-time national champ. He's going to go down in college football history, but uh, I think he made a mistake and, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he just doesn't want to do it. And in that case, you know, party on Stetson. But uh, it just feels like a lost opportunity because there were so many opportunities to, to make headway among this group of quarterbacks in, in all of these All-Star games. I got a hot take for you. I'm excited because I don't know it and I haven't heard it. This is from our buddy uh, Sully Football. Oh, uh, we'll have him on soon. We'll talk yeah. online. Uh, 
we're, we got to wait at least a month so he can recover from whatever happens on Sunday, good or bad. So That's the truth. So, Sully, um, for those of you who don't know, he is the leader of the Chiefs fan Twitter. So, um, you know, we're, we're rooting for our guy, but uh, anything can happen. So PFF College tweeted out, Hinden Hooker should be a blank round pick in April's draft. And... Sully responded, he's 26 years old. And then Sully followed that up with Hinden Hooker and Stetson Bennett are the same age, and Stetson is a better player. So <laughs> he's a little I wanted, bit off. I wanted to get your take because I've seen Hinden Hooker mocked in the second round of drafts. Yeah. Okay, so to, to clarify, I think Stetson Bennett's about – five or six months older. He was, he's got a September 97 birthday and hooker has, uh, he just turned 25 here in January. So not, not 26. That's a fact check. I got to fact check my guy Sully, but now they're both 25. So we're splitting hairs. Uh, they are technically now the same age. Um, one thing Hendon hooker did not do is get arrested this past uh, couple of weeks. He did go to the Senior Bowl, even though he's recovered from an ACL. And he measured in at, I think we we got him at like 6'4 and just under 210. So it makes sense. He's a little thin right now because he's recovered from that injury. He's obviously not uh, going to be able to work out the way you would like it for a professional football player. But that's you, that's just the nature of the beast. You're, you and I have both had to recover from those ACL injuries. And you... You know, you can't just, you can't be lifting heavy when you're coming off those things. So, um, Hooker, obviously, he's got the size. I think the age is pretty much a wash. So, to that point, I think uh, Sully's right. Um, I think it's crazy to have either, you know, um, it would be crazy to, to me to have either one of these guys drafted on day two. I think that, again, I'm, I'm holding to my philosophy that that's that's just an old player you're 25 years old you you know finally you had the uh season of your lifetime Hendon Hooker had a great season but he's playing against guys that are four and five years younger than he is (laughs) he's he's he was like a six-year starter between Virginia Tech and Tennessee um I think he had a fantastic year you know uh Seth when you and I talked quarterbacks midway through the year I got a a lot of questions about that Tennessee offense and how that's that that's going to translate to the pros. And you see people talking about that when it comes to Jalen Hyatt, the receiver, the Bolitnikoff award winner. Um, to me, it's way more of a concern when it comes to the quarterback. So uh, I love the I love the uh, troll aspect of this tweet because uh, so many people will want to fight Sully over that, but it's I don't it's not that wrong. <laughs> I mean, Stetson Bennett, uh, I just got over saying how he missed a great opportunity to to make headway among these quarterbacks. Hooker probably did too, just from the fact that he was injured. I think he would have showed out a, a lot better than um, a lot of these all-star game quarterbacks too. But now you've got a guy coming off an injury, an ACL, already being 25. It's, <laughs> it's a hilarious take because I know it stirred up trouble, but, uh, Man, it's probably not that far off. 
Yeah, and it's interesting because I think people like the um, measurables and the they like the eye test of of Hindenhooker, if you will. Um, and, and let me say this: eye test wise, I would agree with those people. If Hooker was twenty two, then this would be. I wouldn't. Even, I would not even have a question that Sully's wrong. But, um, <laughs> I mean, the reality is he's not, and he's hurt. And yeah, the 20, fact that people 20, are putting him in the second round is, is kind of nuts to me. I just don't think. And and for people that are at, like, if people are like, "What are you talking about in the second round?" Matt Miller dropped a, a mock draft today on ESPN Plus. Go check it out. But he has him going fifty-two overall to Seattle Seahawks. So that's this been one of the like, big connections too, right? Seattle to like a day two quarterback. So like this isn't this isn't you know NFL draft something you know dot org like this is espn plus one of their main one of their main guys going with hendon hooker in the second round so like he's gonna be on tv probably in the next couple months talking with uh you know debating quarterbacks with dan orlovsky so i mean like you said this isn't uh although look i i think that a lot of the draft media is not caught up to where the NFL is yet. Cause I don't think the NFL's on Hendon hooker in the second round. I could be crazy, but I don't see that. Yeah. Well, and well, I mean, obviously we'll find out that's the big thing we will, but I mean, you, like, first of all, I think everybody in sobriety can say that like Brandon Whedon, when he was drafted, he was 28 years old. Um, in the first round, 22 overall. That's one of the worst draft picks in the history of the draft. Um, there's no upside to taking a guy at a certain age, right? And uh, Hooker's a couple years younger than that. Like I said, he's uh, he just turned 25. But he's also injured. <laughs> and you're not going to get a workout from him. He's – and I, it sounds like I'm, I'm – poo-pooing this right like i don't want it to sound like that because i like a lot of things about hendon hooker's skill set i liked them when i saw him play two years ago at, at virginia tech but if you're a high-end prospect that's when you come out two years ago and he didn't and there was even i think speculation that he might go back next year because he had that extra year of eligibility so he didn't um like I said earlier, maybe we got to recalibrate. Uh, I I don't want to do that though. From from my perspective, I don't think that's a good process. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, just uh, thanks to everybody who listens. Um, again, I encourage you to sign up for our Patreon. We're gonna have a uh, bonus episode later this week and one next week. Again. Sorry, but we will be out of town and we will not be uh, doing a free show next week. But uh, listen to the Rise Up See Red podcast later this week. I'm sure you can find that on iTunes, Spotify, etc. And uh, Seth and I and Jess Root will all be talking Senior Bowl, more Senior Bowl stuff. Especially if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan.
Yeah. So thanks for listening for always. We'll be back uh, later this week with a bonus episode. Have a great night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of... What I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.